preaching about the blood, singing about the blood, because uh, how many of you know tonight there's power in the blood? Without, without the preaching on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, then our message has no power. I'm reminded of what Billy Graham said years ago. I read a story about him preaching revival service in Chicago, Illinois, right when he first started preaching. And when he got down from the pulpit, one of the local pastors met him and he said, man, I tell you, I think you're really going to be something. He said, if you keep uh, doing what you're doing, you're going you're gonna to really be something in the ministry. He said, you've got a great speaking voice and you're very knowledgeable about the Word of God. He said, if I could just give you one piece of advice. He said, don't say so much about the blood. He said, you can be something. If you keep talking about the blood, uh, I don't, you'll probably be nothing. And Billy Graham looked at him and said, if I don't preach about the blood, I, then my message is nothing. Then I am nothing. And so uh, we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. Without the power of the blood... Uh, none of us have uh, have salvation. None of us have anything. So, brother, thank you so much uh, for that song. What a blessing that truly was. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Now, I first of all want to tell you thank you for coming and uh, being a part of tonight's services. Thank you for making the study of the Word of God a priority in your life. Again, I know there's a lot of other places that you could have been this evening. And I want to thank you for coming and being a part of what the Lord is going to do in this place. How do you believe that God is ready to speak if we're ready to listen? And I'm hoping and praying that all of you have came hungry and thirsty for God's truth. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 5 and 6. He said, Blessed are ye who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you shall be filled. He didn't say you might be filled, you could be filled. But when you desire what God has for you, when you desire the truth of God's word, when you desire the power of God in your life, then I promise you, He'll fill you up with it. And, uh, and I'm so thankful for that. I hope you've came for no other reason than to hear the truth of what God has said to each and every one of us. And I'm asking that you be praying for these services, that you be praying for me, that uh, God would use me by His power to do His work. I realize that without Him, I am nothing. And without Him, I can do nothing. And I don't want to do anything without Him. I want to make sure that He leads, guides, and directs in everything that we do. And so please pray for me uh, as we go through this study together. Um, my prayer for you as your pastor is twofold this week. I hope and pray that each and every one of you has been blessed this week. Have you been blessed this week? Amen. Amen. I have too. I'm so thankful for the blessing of God. I've heard it said the, the greatest and most effective get-rich-quick scheme is to count your blessings. When you start counting your blessings, it's then and only then that you begin to realize uh, just how truly loved, just how truly rich just how truly blessed you are. And so we all need to count our blessings from time to time and remember who God is and what he's done for us. And, and I, I don't know about you, I, I want the blessing of God. I pray for the blessing of God. I pray for the blessing of God on myself, on my church, on my family. I pray for God's favor. And I think you ought to do the same thing. I don't apologize for that. I, I want all that God has for me. And I want you to receive all that God has for you. Uh, praise God for his blessings. He good, isn't he? And so uh, I'm so thankful that he has blessed us. And I'm looking forward to the blessings he's going to give us. But not only is my prayer that you be blessed, but my prayer is also that you and I will be a blessing. Amen? See, one of the greatest blessings I've ever experienced is when God the Holy Spirit, by his power, uses me as a child of God to make an impact in the lives of others for the kingdom of God. And how many know that's what God's called us to? He's called us to be lights in this darkness. He's called us as his people to call men, women, boys, and girls out of the darkness and into the marvelous light of the Lord Jesus. 
We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So my prayer for myself and for you as God's people is that each and every day God gives us divine appointments. I'm talking about he puts people in our path that we can truly make an impact for the kingdom of God with. That, that's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. Not just that we would be blessed. That's good. But praise God, I want to be a blessing. How many of you know, folks, there are people around you each and every day who need Jesus? Uh, you're, you see them every day. It may be in your home. It may be in your workplace. It may be at the grocery store, at the gas station. It may be at the ball game. But there are people around you every day that need Jesus. There's people around you that you come in contact with every day that's got a broken heart. They need encouragement. They need to know somebody loves them. They need to know Jesus loves them. Amen? There are people around you every day that you come in contact with daily. You may not even realize that it's battling addiction. You don't, you don't have a clue, but listen, God knows. And so I'm praying that God, the Holy Spirit, who knows what I need, who knows what you need, who knows us better than we know ourselves, that he would give us divine appointments with the right people so that we can make an impact and be a blessing for the kingdom of God. So that's my prayer for you. I, that's just... I got here today and I was just burning upon my heart. I, you know, we always talk about the blessing of God coming to us and that's great, that's wonderful and I'm thankful for it. But man, there's more to it than that. May the blessing of God flow from us. May we be by God's power what he saved us to be, what he's called us to be. I've been biting at the bit, sitting on G and waiting on O, uh, ready to get for this service tonight and share with you the book of Romans. Man, I'm telling you, the book of Romans has just burst a flame in my hand. I'm so thankful for the powerful truth that we find in the Word of God. Romans chapter 1 is where we'll be at this evening. We're going to look at one verse, verse number 1. Uh, last week, if you remember, I uh, shared with you an introduction to the whole book of Romans. We talked about it uh, a whole lot last week, just... The, the book itself, but tonight I want to introduce you to the author. We're going to talk about the Apostle Paul, and it's in Romans chapter number 1 and verse uh, number 1 that we get, have about four things here the Bible tells us about the Apostle Paul. Listen to what it says. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Father, for doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. I'm thankful this evening that you've shown us grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness through the cross. I'm thankful that we are justified by faith. We're made right with you, God, when we place our trust in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. I'm thankful for the power of the blood. I'm thankful that you're still in the saving business. I'm thankful, Lord, that you can still change hearts and change lives. And God, that's what I'm praying for tonight. I'm praying if there be one here that's lost, that tonight would be the night that you, Holy Spirit, touch that person's heart and begin making them aware of their need for a Savior. Lord, I'm asking, Father, that if there be a child of God here tonight that's struggling uh, in, in certain areas in their life, that you would bring conviction to their life. And, Father, give them the power needed to overcome because we are more than conquerors through you that love us. And, Lord, I want to thank you for that. I'm asking that whatever's needed in every life, that, God, you would make it come to pass. Lord, not because of who we are or what we can do, but, Lord, because of who you are and what you've done for us. How good you are. We praise you. We thank you. We ask you now that, Lord, you would move me completely out of the way and use me tonight as your mouthpiece to speak your word to your people by your power. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I've heard it said that the book of Romans is the greatest book in all the world, and I would agree with that. Let me tell you why. The book of Romans, uh, we find there the foundation of our faith. Now, how many of you know, anything that you're building, I don't care what it is, if you don't have a firm foundation, then listen to me. When you start putting the walls up and the roof on a house and you don't got a firm foundation, a stable foundation, a sturdy foundation, uh, then the, the, the walls and the roof ain't going to be stable and sturdy. It's not going to stand the test of time. The same is true for a church. If we're going to build a strong, stable, steady church, let me tell you what it's got to be built upon. The foundation of God's precious truth. If you believe that, say amen. We've got to build our faith. We've got to build, uh, listen, this church and the church as a whole upon the solid foundation of God's precious word. And we find that right here in the book of Romans. It is the foundation for uh, the Christian faith. Romans is a solid word, word for a shaky world. How do you know we live in a shaky world? We've, we've just gotten a glimpse of that in Alabama this last week. Some of you, I'm sure all of you probably by now have heard the story of the little girl in Birmingham that was kidnapped from a birthday party. Killed, three-year-old little girl, killed and thrown in a dumpster like trash. I saw her picture on, uh, on the internet, man, and the sweet little face. I, I can't see, I can't even fathom how anybody could be that cruel. We live in a shaky world. We need some solid truth. It is solid word, and we find that solid word for this shaky world right here in the book of Romans. I've heard it said that Romans is the uh, constitution for Christianity. <laughs> I like that. The constitution of the United States of America governs us as American citizens, as U.S. citizens. And so when we say that the book of Romans is the constitution for Christianity, what we're saying is the book of Romans governs us in the way we are to live lives pleasing unto the Lord. Now, not only the book of Romans, all of God's word governs us, but man, there's something special about the book of Romans. It is truly the book that's changed the world. There was a, I read a story just last week of Martin Luther. Many of you remember Martin Luther, the Protestant leader um, who led the Reformation and Martin Luther, uh, when he was just, uh, he was a monk and he was doing everything he could do through the Roman Catholic faith to make himself right with God. He wanted that real relationship with God that he knew deep down on the inside he didn't have. And so he went through all the penance and the ritual and the uh, religious work that he could do through the church to get what his heart longed for. But he saw that he just, it just wouldn't get anywhere with that. And he took a trip to, uh, uh, to Jerusalem. And when he got there, he went to Pilate's judgment hall. And there were steps leading up to Pilate's judgment hall. And many believe that when Jesus climbed those steps, that the blood of Christ dripped upon those stairs as he climbed up to the place where Pilate was seated. And that's probably true, but uh, Martin Luther went to those steps and he knelt down on every one and kissed every step all the way to the top, praying at every step that God would become real to him that he would have that relationship that he's after and step after step he kept praying and he found out when he got to the top step he said I didn't feel any different at the top step than I did at the bottom step and he'd been studying the book of Romans and, and uh, the Holy Spirit of God brought a scripture back to his mind Romans 1.17 Romans 1.17 says the just 
shall live by faith. <laughs> and, and Martin Luther that day began to realize that if he was going to be made right with God, it was not going to be through religious activity. It was not going to be through self-righteous works. It was not going to be through uh, the, 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 the church that he was involved with, doing all the things he was doing there. If he was really going to be justified and made right with God, it was going to be because he placed his faith in Jesus changed his life forever and he started the reformation and not only did it change his life but it's changed our life <laughs> we're a part of the protestant church today because of the work that God did through the life of Martin Luther and so Romans truly is a book that's changed the world it had an author by the name of the apostle Paul now we know that God the Holy Spirit uh, has written all 66 books of the Bible. If you believe that, say amen tonight. Amen. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so God the Holy Spirit speaks uh, his word to men and then men write it down. Uh, so, But Paul did uh, do a great work by the power of God in writing the book of Romans. There's... A few things that I want us to see this evening in verse number one about the author. Now look what it says. First of all, he, gets, he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus. Now you remember Paul. We, we've talked a whole lot about Paul. We talked some about him last week. But Paul used to be Saul. And Saul, if you remember, was the foremost persecutor of the Christian faith. He was doing everything he could to stamp out this new way because he believed it to be against God, not for God. And so him being a devout Jew, a Pharisee, was coming against those who had trusted and were following Jesus. Let, let's go back and look at what God did in his life. The first thing that I want you to see about Paul is that he used to be Saul, but Saul got saved. Can you say amen? Look, look with me, if you will, in Acts chapter number 9. And we're going to read tonight the story of the conversion of Paul real quickly. But keep your place there in Acts 9 when you get to it. And flip back just a few pages to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, you're going to find the story of a man named Stephen. Now, if you go all the way back to Acts chapter 6, you'll see that in Acts chapter 6, the Bible says that Stephen was a man full of the Spirit of God, full of the power of God, and he did many great signs and wonders among the people. I mean, there was a revival breaking out in Jerusalem, and Stephen was preaching it. This brother was preaching the truth of the Word of God by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and people's lives were being changed because of it. There was revival breaking out, and the religious crowd got mad about it. Uh, the Jews that were there got mad that uh, Christianity was growing like it was by the power of God. And so they brought Stephen up on charges. And that brother just preaches the gospel in, man, such a powerful way in Acts chapter 7. If you're looking for a good quiet time devotional this week, uh, read Acts chapter 7 at the message that Stephen preaches. Man, it's amazing. Now, let me tell you what happened. At the end of his message in Acts chapter 7, um, the people got mad. Let me tell you what I found out. When you're under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, when you're reading the Word of God, when you're in a Sunday school class and hearing the Word of God, Anytime you get a hold of the word of God, let, let me tell you what happens. 
usually it either makes us mad or it makes us glad. Amen? I, I, I found that to be true in my life. When I hear the word of God, See, a lot of people think that as a pastor, as a preacher, that I stand up here and point fingers at everybody else. Listen to me, very plainly. I found out a long time ago that when I point fingers at you, there's about three or four pointing right back at me. I get all of this before you get it. I've got to get on my face uh, before I ever come out here and deliver what God has given to me, to you. Before I ever do that, I've got to get on my face and get my own heart right. And believe me, I think a lot of the messages that God gives me is more for me than anybody else. And so I just want you to know, never feel like that, that fingers are being pointed. I just want to share what God's put on my heart. But I do believe this. God, the Holy Spirit knows what we need when we need it. How about you? I believe that with everything in me. Amen. And so... Um, these people, they, they didn't get glad at the word of God being preached. They got mad at the word of God. You're either going to be pulled closer to God through the preaching and teaching of God's word or you're going to be pushed further away. And all of that is determined by how you receive it. If you receive the word of God as the authority in your life, if you receive the word of God as God speaking to you, because that's exactly what he's doing. Amen. I, I love Brother Kitty Cantrell. He's one of my mentors, a great man of God. Man, he was such a blessing in my life. He's went on to be with the Lord now. But Brother Kitty, always, he would always tell me, I'd, I, I'd, I'd, we'd be in a Wednesday night service like this, and several times after we'd get done, we'd be talking in the back of the church, and he'd say, Brothers, I want to tell you something. He said, I would not take the word of God any more serious than if Jesus was standing here in the flesh speaking it to me. That's how you ought to take the word of God too. That's how I ought to take the word of God. Don't get mad at it. Get glad at it because God's giving you truth that'll change your life. He's giving you truth that'll set you free. He's giving you truth that you can build your life upon. These poor people didn't get glad. They got mad and mad enough to stone this man. That's exactly what happened. Look what the Bible says there in Acts 7, 38. The Bible says they cast Stephen out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Skip on down to chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was great persecution against the church which is at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So the picture you're seeing here is the apostle Paul, who used to be Saul, was consenting to the death of Stephen and actually held the men's coats as they threw the rocks that killed God's preacher, God's man. That's Saul. He's the one who caused great fear to come in the church and they've scattered everywhere. But then, Acts chapter 9, verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues. And he found any of this way. This way he's speaking of here is the new way, the Christian way, the way of following Christ. That's what it was called then, the way. Whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? 
I love that. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. I love that. At the moment he met Jesus, automatically he said, What do you want me to do? You know what he's really saying, and we'll get more into this in just a moment, but what he's really saying is, from this moment on, it's no longer about what I want to do, it's about what you want me to do. It's no longer about my plan, now it's about your plan. It's no longer about my will, what's your will for my life? You are my Lord, you are my master. That brother got saved. Everything changed. Amen? He went from being Saul the persecutor to being Paul the preacher. He, he went from being the foremost persecutor to the foremost preacher, going on three missionary journeys, planting churches all over the known world, and wrote 13 books of the New Testament. How? I'll tell you how, because that brother got saved. Everything changed. When he got saved, anybody who says they've met Jesus, they've met the risen Lord, and nothing changes in their life, they're lying to themselves. If you say that you've met Jesus, but nothing has changed, you're lying to yourself. You need to examine whether or not you've truly trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of sin. See, I'm not asking if you've ever prayed a prayer or signed a card or been through a baptistry or joined a church. I'm asking you, has the Holy Spirit of God ever spoke to your heart and let you know that you needed a Savior? Has He ever brought conviction upon you that you realized your sin, realized you were in a hopeless, helpless state without Jesus? Has there ever been a time that you trusted in Christ, listen to me now, and God the Holy Spirit done a work on the inside that has done a work on the outside and gave you peace? Peace that passeth all understanding. Has that happened? Because I think that's the true test. I really do. Because peace is really what we're all looking for. Amen? And if you don't have the peace of God, you, you must ask yourself, do you know the Prince of Peace? See, the Bible says Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If you know the Prince of Peace, then you ought to have the peace that he gives. Everything changed in this brother's life. I, I think it's important that we see that because I, let me tell you what I've experienced. You can go out knocking on doors, sharing your faith at your workplace, in the community, wherever. And in the Bible Belt, guess what I always, everybody's saved. Living in sin, doing their own thing. Hey, not at all desiring the things of God. Not plugged into a church and hadn't been plugged into a church. Not faithful to anything God says they ought to be faithful to. Oh, but I'm saved. I prayed a prayer at Vacation Bible School 30 years ago. Well, if, if what, maybe, oh, I, I, listen, I can't judge anybody, but I can say this. Listen, 
the gospel, like we talked about Sunday, it's not about just what happened 30 years ago. What is God doing in your life today? What's he doing now? If you've truly been born again, there's going to be a change. Just like old Saul, he said, Lord, now that I've met you, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Paul was saved, but let me say something else. He was surrendered. We talked about this a little bit last week. Go back to Romans chapter 1 with me. Romans chapter 1, the Bible says he's a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul, who used to be Saul, Saul got saved, now he's Paul. But then he surrendered. The Bible says he's a servant of Jesus Christ. We talked about what a servant is. The word there is a bond slave, a doulos in the Greek. Now, what that means, a bond slave was different than a regular slave. A regular slave is someone who serves his master against his will. Amen? He has no choice in the matter. A bond slave, a doulos, is a slave that's been set free. The master set him free. You can go your own way. You can do your own thing. You've been set free from the bondage of slavery. But the slave says, you know what? I'm going to be a whole lot better off with my master than I will be on my own. Listen, I'd rather do what my master says than do what I want to do. I think I'm just going to stay with my master because I know things are better at the master's house. And so even though he's been set free, he continues to serve. Well, that's a perfect picture of the child of God. See, the Bible says we've been set free from sin. Jesus, John 8, 36 says, whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Amen. <laughs> the Apostle Paul even said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. I have freedom. But guess what? I want to use my freedom to serve my master. Why? Well, just like this brother, he's been saved, but he's also surrendered himself to the lordship of Christ. It's no longer about what Paul wants. What's Jesus want? What's the master want? Amen? Let me give you a very popular verse. Go to, go to Psalm 37 with me. Let's look at a few things here. This could be one of the most misinterpreted verses in all the Word of God because, listen, I looked at it wrong for a long time. I had it completely wrong. Listen to what this verse says. Psalm 37, verse number 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. Everybody see that? Now, for a long time, I thought, man, that just means that if I love Jesus, I, that he's going to give me whatever I want. So, Lord, I love you. Give me a, give me a, a 69 Camaro fixed just like I like it. That, not, that may not be one of your desires, but that was certainly one of mine. <laughs> Lord, I love you, so give me all the money I can spend. Now, if that's the way... <laughs> If that's the way we pray, what are we truly desiring? Are we desiring the Lord? No, we're desiring a 69 Camaro and all the money we can spend, right? And, and you, you fill in the blank with whatever else you can think of. See, what, what we've got to do is not focus as much on the desire. What we need to do is focus on the delight. What's the scripture say? He says, delight thyself in the Lord. 
Let me tell you what happens when you begin to delight yourself in the Lord. When you begin to delight yourself in the Lord and you surrender fully unto Him, guess what happens? His desires become your desires. Your desires are His desires. Amen. And when that happens, when that takes place, then the Christian can do what he wants to do. Listen to me now. Because God has changed his want-tos. Amen? Let me tell you why I came to church tonight, because I wanted to. I wanted to. Now, there was a time I didn't want to. Like me and a brother was talking about this pre-Jesus. We was talking about this yesterday. I had a great talk with a brother in Christ at my workplace yesterday. Man, we had church, I'm telling you, for about two hours. Um, we sat in, a, in the state park in Montevallo, Alabama, and we had church. It was amazing. I loved it. It, it helped me. It encouraged me. But we spoke truth into my life that I needed. It was great. Don't you love those times? God shows up like that. You know, you, you can have church outside these four walls. You know, these four walls are not the church. We are the church. And when we leave, the church leaves the building. Boy, I tell you, I, we had church. It was awesome. I loved it. And that's one thing that, that me and him was talking about. When you've truly been born again, what you want to do changes. There was a time you couldn't have drugged me to church on a Sunday. Man, I had deer to kill and fish to catch and football to watch. And I ain't against watching football or killing deer or catching fish. But guess what? On Sunday, it's the time for worship. Hey, love life. Kill all the deer you can kill. Catch all the fish you can catch. Ladies, whatever you like doing, do it. Enjoy yourself. Have a ball. But make sure you make God the priority in your life. Amen. We've got to do that if we're truly going to be surrendered to him. But now listen, when I delighted myself in the Lord, he changed my desire. Man, I, I don't want to miss church. I'm afraid I might miss something. What if God shows up and does something and I miss it? Amen. What if God manifests himself among us, does a work, and I'm not here. I'm just saying. And that's not just about coming to church. I'm talking about, hey, you know, let me tell you why I pray. I know we set the time at 9 o'clock, but I don't just pray at 9 o'clock. Let me tell you why I pray, because I want to pray. Because I know he hears me. Amen. And he is truly the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I mean, I can talk to Jesus about stuff I can't tell y'all about. I love my wife. I, my wife is the physically, my best friend on this world is my wife. I love that woman. She knows me better than anybody knows me. I know her better than anybody knows her, I feel. But, I mean, there's a lot of things I can't talk to her about. She ain't going to get it. She ain't going to understand. I've got dear friends right here in this sanctuary, brothers and sisters in Christ. I love dearly, man. But there's a lot of stuff I can't talk to y'all about. I'm so thankful. 
that I can, I can bring anything to Jesus. I can pour my heart out to him. That's not because I have to. I get to do that. And I've seen that he hears my prayer and he answers my prayer. There's power in it. So, it's not come to church, praying, studying your Bible. I'm going to be honest. I don't pray like I should. I, I'm still in the flesh and I'm still growing. I don't study my Bible like, like I should. But boy, when I, when I do spend, take time to spend time in prayer and the study of God's word, I want to kick myself that I ain't done it sooner. Man, God starts showing me things. Like I said, the word of God bursts a flame in your hand. If you'll start taking time to spend time with the Lord, I promise you, you'll desire more time that you can spend with him. It's about surrender. Paul was saved, yes. He was surrendered, yes. He delighted himself in the Lord. And now, listen to me, his desires were the master's desires. And the master's desires were Paul's desires. Amen? He was saved, surrendered, but let me tell you something else. He was sent. Watch what it says there in verse 1. A servant of Jesus Christ called. Everybody say called. See, I believe there is a calling to the ministry. It wasn't that Paul one day got up and said, you know what I think I'm going to be? I'm going to be an apostle. I'm going to be a missionary that goes all over the world. That, that's now going to be um, the direction I'm going to take my life. That's, that's what I want to do. That's going to be my profession. See, Paul didn't choose this. God chose Paul. He called him to do it. Now I'm thankful, I'm so thankful God called me because I can promise you this is not what I wanted to do. I tried my best to not do it for a long time. I made a lot of stupid decisions and man made some, it just makes me sick the time I wasted not doing what I know God had called me to do. Squandering opportunities that I could have had not going his way, but going my way. I, but I'm, I'm thankful that he called me, and I'm thankful he showed me mercy, and I'm thankful he showed me grace, and I'm thankful that he allows me to be a part of what he's doing. I'm thankful he's put me as your pastor right here at Mount Zion. Praise God for you. I love you, church. I, I'm thankful for what God has done in my life, and I know he's called me. You say, oh, well, Brother Israel, that's all well and good. You're a preacher. and he, Maybe he calls preachers and he calls missionaries, but let me tell you something else. He calls you too. Watch. Romans 1, look at the sixth verse. Among whom ye also, watch this now, the called. He's writing to the church and he says, not only am I called of God to be about God's business, but you are called of God to be about God's business. Now, your sphere of influence and what God has called you to do may be different than my sphere of influence and what God has called me to do, but we've all been called as God's people. We've all been put in the body for a purpose. God has given us all gifts that, listen to me now, was given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we might be effective in our service to the Lord. Amen. You've been called. Some of y'all have been called to teach. You know it. You know God's given you that gift of teaching. You need to be teaching. 
You hear me? Come on now. need to be teaching. God's called you to it. Let's do it. Some of y'all have been called to, to or you've been gifted with the gift of, of, of the ministry with children. I'm going to tell you something. That is a calling. Brothers, we don't have that calling. <laughs> I struggle with that one. Praise God for those who do. Man, our nursery workers and our children's church workers, praise God for you. Thank you so much. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But if you've been called to that, God's gifted you in that area. Let's be about it. We get a food ministry on Wednesday night. We do it every Wednesday night. Guess what? Some of you have the gift of working in that. Let's, let's get at it. We can use you. Man, whatever God's called you to, however he's gifted you with your, with your abilities and your talents that he's given you, use it for the honor and glory of God. If you're looking for a way to be used, come see me. Some of y'all got the gift of giving. You need to start giving. Do you know that what we do with this is just as much worship as what we do with this? And what we do with this is just as much worship as what we do with all this stuff. And some of you have got the gift of giving. Use your gift. Praise God, we got stuff to pay for. Amen? I mean, we stepped out in faith and we've done what we know God called us to do and told us to do. We prayed about it for a year, didn't we? Well, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. But let me tell you what happens. God usually pays his bills through his people. I had a lady tell me one time, she said, Brother Ezra, I'll tell you what, I just believe if I take care of me and mine that God will take care of whatever's going down at that church. I'm just going to take care of me and mine. I said, let me tell you something, sister. God's called you to be a cheerful giver and a faithful giver. God's called you to give just like he's called me to give. But some of us have a gift of giving that even goes beyond that. See, that tithe is just the ceiling. It's not the floor. Is everybody getting this? I'm just saying we've all been called to certain ministry inside the body of Christ if you're a child of God. We're going to talk more about that Sunday morning, but Paul was saved. He was surrendered. He was sent. But let me tell you something else. He was separated. Watch. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated, watch this now, unto the gospel of God. Now, let me tell you what I think is the most powerful phrase in all that. It's not separated, but it's unto the gospel of God. Amen? Listen to me. Why is this so powerful, especially for Paul? Well, Paul was a, used to be a Pharisee. And if there was anybody who prided themselves in being separated for the glory of God, it was the Pharisees. I mean, they felt that it was through their own self-righteous living and work that they could make themselves right with God. Do you remember that Jesus said that uh, when they tithed, that they, they didn't just tithe with their money, they tithed even with the spices they had in their cabinet. Remember that? I mean, if they, they dressed the right way. They went to church, not just 
once or twice or three times a week. They was in the church seven days a week. They were studying the word of God every day, all day. This was the Pharisee. They prided themselves in being separated. They, they had stopped all the bad stuff that we want to call bad stuff. They didn't drink, they didn't smoke, they didn't go with girls who did. Right? I mean, they, they were separated. But let me tell you though, they were separated, but the Pharisee was not separated unto, listen to me now, the gospel. They were just separated. So guess what, guess what that made them? That made them a bunch of prideful, self-righteous, mean people. Now, there's a lot of people in the church, maybe they don't drink, smoke, or go with girls who do, but you know what? My dog Lobo don't either. I've never seen him drinking, never seen him smoking. He'll do any of that. He don't do bad stuff, and he does a lot of good stuff. You know, the, the, the other day, I told my wife, every day when I get home, Lobo and Lady, my two German shepherds, are the first ones to meet me. I pull up in the yard. Before I can even get the door open, they're waiting at the door, waiting for me to open it. And they're, they're wagging their tail, man. And if, I don't know if they're smiling, but I kind of feel like they're smiling a little bit. And they can't wait for me to open the door. And as soon as they open the door, they stick their head in there and want me to pet them. They'll climb in the door with me almost. Man, I'll pet them, rub on them, talk to them. And I told my wife, I said, honey, if I could get you to do what. <laughs> you and the kids don't never do that. They, they, don't do, they, don't do so, they don't do bad stuff and they do a lot of good stuff. But guess what? That don't make them saved. And just because you don't do quote unquote bad stuff and you do a lot of quote unquote good stuff. If you, you may be separated, but are you separated unto the gospel of God? When Paul got separated unto the gospel of God, he went from being Saul the Pharisee to Paul the apostle. Why? Because what's the gospel of God do? Whew. The gospel of God, when you, when you trust in Jesus by faith, when you are separated unto the gospel, guess what happens? You are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Whew. That changes everything. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but go to Romans chapter 5, and let's look down at verse number 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. So when you are separated under the gospel of God, what do you receive by the power of the Holy Spirit? What's it say there? Hope, what else? Love of God. Amen. You, you know what hope is? Hope is the earnest expectation that God's going to keep his promise. Now listen, what makes the promise of God precious? We talked about this last week. What makes the promise of God precious? God don't lie. He, the person of God, right? God's promises are so precious to me because I know who made them. And listen, my earnest expectation is that God is going to do exactly what he says. That's hope. 
When you have a personal relationship with this God and he becomes that friend that sticks closer than a brother, these promises become more precious because you know who he is. And then he gives us love. Love. Let me tell you what I found out. When I got saved, I started loving people I shouldn't even be loving. You know, you know what I mean? I don't want people to talk bad about you. Tell lies on you. That dude at work that you always got the problem with, I, I know nobody else has that problem, but I do sometimes. Y'all don't ever have that problem. I mean, I know that. But from time to time, there's this certain guy, that same old one. It, I struggle with him. You hear me? But I found out God even gives me love for that man. I don't want to hurt him as long as I pray about it. <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm saying though? God just, he helps you to love people. He helps you to love people. Let me tell you the problem with the Pharisee. They had all the self-righteous activity but no love. They quit all the bad stuff and tried to do all the good stuff, but they did everything out of pride, not out of love. That just made them mean. You've been around them mean people. Some of the meanest people I've ever been around in my life are people that sit on a church pew every Sunday. Mean, self-righteous, prideful, egotistical Pharisees. I'm going to tell you something. I don't want any part of that. I don't. You must be separated unto the gospel of God. That's what makes all the difference. Because if you don't, then it's all about what I'm doing. Right? I'm not doing all the bad stuff, so that makes me holier than thou. And I try to do all the good stuff, and that makes me holier than thou. The gospel says, no, nah, we all sinners standing in need of a Savior. And it's only by the grace of God that anybody misses hell. See, that humbles you. Paul was saved, used to be Saul. God changed him. Paul was surrendered. Amen? He delighted in the Lord and the desires of God became his desires. Paul was sent. He'd been called and we've been called. And Paul was separated unto the gospel. He had the hope, the earnest expectation that God was going to keep his promises no matter what. And he had love for God and love for people. You remember what I always tell you? We've always said this. We're going to keep saying it. Let's, 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 I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the KISS method. You know what that is? Keep it simple, stupid. I use that in everything. The simpler the better. That's the way I see it. Let, Jesus made this stuff real simple. Real simple. They asked him, they said, what's the greatest commandment in all the law? You know what he said? I'm going to boil all the law down to you. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love people. But that can only happen when you're separated under the gospel. Amen? Anybody got any comments or questions this evening?